To you it's just a game, for me it's all I know I make them remember my name before I have to go Losing, I can't fathom, that's a champion's passion Confidence never lacking, drop the beat, let's attack them They be checking for the content, you tired of that nonsense No gimmicks, break limits, quality is I promise This is more than a show, this is a way of life Cause the game as it grows, takes us to higher heights Check the stats before you check me And don't tell me who the greatest if you don't know the history Robert Ramon and Carlos the new big three and if the pins ain't from them don't bring them to me because i go off like a rocket launcher man i just ain't the beat i'm a real monster i can hear the crowd chanting mvp that's my mantra here's a standing on for the opinionated bench warmers Welcome to the Opinionated Benchwarmers Podcast, episode 87. Your Opinionated Benchwarmers are back. The voice Ramon, as always, that's with us. We're missing the third part of our crew. That's Carlos. Shout out to him. But me and Ramon will hold it down for this episode. Excited to get into this sports world. But first, I just wanted to let y'all know to make sure that y'all following us on O underscore Benchwarmers on Instagram and Twitter. And make sure that you have subscribed to the podcast. That's Opinionated Benchwarmers. Some of the main focuses or I guess platforms I should say that we are on is Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, and Google Play. Make sure that you have subscribed. Make sure that you are sharing this with a friend if you are enjoying listening to us. Ramon, we're finally here. Uh, the cap has been set in the NFL. Uh, our NFL offseason has been banana so far. We've seen some big signing, but now we're seeing a lot of cuts. Uh, started with my Saints, uh, a lot of casualties to the cap and we're going to get into it all, man. But we got to first start off with, I think the biggest news is that the Cowboys finally was able to get it done. And that is a, a deal for Dak, a long-term deal. They fully committed to this guy, uh, paid him a lot of money, a lot of money. I don't have the details of the contract in front of me. You got those? Ramon? Four years, 160. So four years, 160. So 40 million a year. Yes. Yeah, and it's subliminally a little more than golf and wins, which he wanted. Uh, that, that they that they signed for a uh, yearly. Um, what what do you feel like that deal failed? Do you feel like he was overpaid in this instance, or you feel like it was just right? Um, I feel with the deal, honestly, for me, uh, just assessing it, I would say a little bit of an overpayment, just for me, of how I evaluate um Dak Prescott now. I do believe that he is, you know, a talented guy, but I believe that it's a lot um, that the stats are a little bit overrated for Dak. I think that when I watch Dak Prescott throughout the course of games, I feel that a lot of his numbers come really once, you know, it's gotten into garbage time or the team is really trailing and he's making this big move and this big comeback um, in the fourth quarter. So as it particularly uh, pertains to evaluating him, evaluating him as a talent. Um, I believe it is close. It's in the range, but I feel like it's a little bit of an overpayment. But when you look at the market, when you look at, okay, what is your really option outside of going and paying him, then I believe that ultimately it's something that they had to do. Um, as far as Dak now, you know, he is a great leader. He is a great guy. So evaluating that side of it and in intangibles he has it but as far as his play I don't know if I would say that it warrants 40 million dollars a year now I did see 
that the cap hit from it isn't as bad as the $40 million show. So I think in the first year, it may only hit the cap, I believe, at like $23 million or something like that. So they were creative in the way that they structured it to where um, I know at least in the beginning in the first year or so, the cap hit isn't as big as what that annual um, number seems. But um, I would say it's just a little bit, for me, a little bit of an overpayment, but I can still see why they had to make that move, especially with them sliding down the draft in the way that they did toward the end of the year. So, yeah, I, I think that uh, I think that it was a little a little too much for my liking. But like you said, I mean, the market demands it, and we've seen a lot of these massive deals uh, for mediocre quarterbacks, whether it be Jimmy G, in my opinion, or what turned to find out Carson Wentz at the time, Jared Goff. You know, a bunch of average quarterbacks, or a little bit above average quarterbacks, are getting massive deal so it doesn't surprise me there but I think the Cowboys are starting to get sort of like uh more so of a you get your star player superstar player gets what they want uh we saw uh two years ago with uh Ezekiel Elliott threatening to not play and uh they was playing hardball with him and telling him that he you know well leaking into the media saying that he they they weren't going to pay him and then they end up paying him, you know, I think a game or two into the season or something like that. And then, you know, same thing with Amari Cooper. And, you know, it just seems to me if I think that the Jones family, they should really like, if they're going to end up paying these guys, they, they shouldn't even try to play this hard ball approach because we all know that it's, it's, a, it's farce at this point. Uh, they, they, we didn't think Dak would get, get, get paid and he got franchise tagged. Uh, this this season, he had a gruesome injury, as we know. But outside of that, he's been pretty durable. I will say that about him. Um, I do think that he's a leader. I think his teammates love him. And it remains to be seen. But I, I don't think he's quite there yet to say that this is a contract that he has earned at this point. Uh, just, a, just a quick question, um, kind of how we were talking about it and how their draft positioning could have potentially affected this um, decision. Do you believe had they, you know, ended up, you know, how they looked for a while that they might've gotten a top three or top four pick. Do you believe this deal would have gotten done? Um, or do you think that they would have maybe looked at, you know, a Zach Wilson or looked at a Justin Fields or looked at kind of one of those higher profile Trey Lance, you know, uh, one of those higher profile quarterbacks in the draft. How do you think, that impacted the decision. I definitely think that they would be tempted to get one of those talented guys. Uh, but I think that they have a very talented office alignment that's in that top five, two from Oregon uh, that, that is uh, up on the scale. And I know that that line is aging and uh, Dallas is known for having a good line. But, you know, outside of that, I mean, I do think they, they would have to take a look at it. But ultimately, I think that they like Dak, you know, and Dak has been there a lot. I don't think that it was going to do anything drastic that they felt to mess up the team chemistry because Dallas is really trying to win now. They have probably the most pressure on them than anybody in the league because they're America's team, quote unquote, and they're expected to win year in and year out. So I don't think that they would probably give the keys to a Justin Fields or a Trey Lance. Uh, now, if they was high enough to get a guy like Trevor, Trevor Lawrence, now that's a different story. If they had a a crack at that. I think that they would be willing to do that, but I, I don't think they would have. I think regardless, I thought, I think that what happened happened and that Dak was going to get signed regardless of the situation. I, I thought he was, it was in question with the injury, but 
you know, I, I saw he's he's ahead of schedule and he's progressing. So I, I I didn't think that they would probably do that to Dak. They really like Dak over there, but but at least Dallas got that out the way and he can play and they can move on for move forward. But I think that they, if anything, what they need to be looking for in this draft is some secondary, some help in the secondary, because they was getting torched in the passing game a lot last year. So um, so you got anything else on deck or uh, no, I think that pretty much covers it. But I mean, shout out to him. I'm glad he got his money. Oh, yeah, yeah. Okay. Ultimately, congratulations, Congrats. Dak Prescott. And, you know, stand up guy. Now, I don't, I couldn't think of anybody more deserving for just how he carries himself on and off the field. But ultimately, it's about what you do on the field. So, <laughs> yeah. Uh, so I hope that's not lost in the sauce of what we were talking about. Um, I kind of did want to start. Uh, with the NFL free agency, uh, I guess NFL, let's start with the NFL high cap teams and my team being one of them, Los's team with the Rams have been, is another one. Uh, Rams is not currently leading the NFL, which we did. We was over uh, two weeks ago, believe it or not, it was $100 million over the cap. Uh, the official NFL cap has been set as roughly $182 million cap, somewhere around there, 182? Yeah, I think okay. somewhere around there, yeah. Yeah, so. 182, somewhere around there. So we got we got my Saints. I think we started off $100 million over the cap. So we a lot of people has been casualties of it. Uh, Quan Alexander being one. Janoris Jenkins got released today. Of course, we, lit, we released Morstead. The Saints released Morstead. Um, we uh, also had franchise tag Marcus Williams in a surprise move. But we still have a lot of work to do. We have a lot of work to do. Is able to restructure on United and Cam Jordan's uh, a contract, but it, it's just a lot. It's a lot more work uh, to do. I think we right now we're uh, roughly probably like thirty six million dollars over the cap currently. So I think it may have gotten down to closer to thirty now. I think it's like twenty nine or thirty. Okay, twenty nine. I think that Janoris probably did it because he saved the seven seven mil. Um, but yeah, I mean, we got a lot of work to do, and I mean, I think my team a lot like Carlos' team. It's a lot of cuts that are remaining are remaining to be made. And I think right now contract reconstruction is the biggest thing here. And I, it's, I'm looking forward to how creative these GMs have to be to get under that cap. Yeah. Um, I think to add into it, um, I, I still feel that out of the teams that are really kind of high as it relates to the cap, like you can talk about really, let's just say the top five teams. So you look at the Rams with having the most over the cap, then the saints, um, then the Chicago Bears and the uh, Philadelphia Eagles and then the um, Atlanta Falcons. Um, to me, when you look at the Rams and the Saints, at least y'all do have a core that is set and have, you know, basically a team that's been in contention. I think you get into a tougher space when you're a team that hasn't really been contending and panning out the way that you think it is and you're over the cap as well. Um, and so when I look at teams like, you know, Philly, that's kind of been struggling and Atlanta that struggled, um, you know, and, and looking at even like a New York Giants team that's kind of a little over the cap as well. Those are some teams that to me find themselves in tougher spaces than, um, you know, a team like y'all, a team like the Rams, just because y'all do, like I said, have cores that are in place. You know, do y'all have to make moves? Yes. Have y'all been making moves? Yes. Um, but I don't think it's as dire as some of those other teams. But that's just my point of view from it. Yeah, I, I agree, man. I think that's a good point uh, is, is that uh, I think Los me had, had a sort of a side conversation. And 
you know, I was telling him that really we, we just was a quarterback away last year, I think, with Drew Brees uh, aging. And I think that, like you said, our core is there. Demario Davis, Cam Jordan, he's still there. You know, uh, Marshawn Lattimore, Ramchick, uh, Alvin Kamara. Did I say Alvin? Yeah, he's, no, he's, he's worth really saying good. twice, but right, <laughs> right. You know, I think that that that's that's uh, an idea that you know when you look at the scope of the game, I think that anybody would agree with me that my team, the Saint New Orleans Saints, played the, the Buccaneers the best out of any team in the playoffs. And you know, I think that it could be said that a fumble from Jerry Cook, a, a mistimed fumble by him, could have been all she wrote for us, but. I, you know, when you look at that, I think we've been a quarterback maybe away. You know, I, I would say, I say we've been a, a lot of unfortunate events away from making it to the Super Bowl and, and making it advancing in the playoffs, whether it be a missed tackle by Marcus Williams, whether it be the, the untimely flag uh, of, a, of a blatant pass interference that was missed. And then I think that, that the third year, we just got dominated by Minnesota. But then you look at this game, three picks and then a fumble. That's, that was the game. So, you know, I think we had, at this point, we hadn't lost anybody in my eyes except for Janoris Jenkins, who I hate. Now we have a hole at wide receiver. Then we have to let Emmanuel go. So we we, we really had kind of have a hole at the wide receiver position. But we are a historically great drafting team. So I think that we could find a receiver like we all done, like a Deontay Harris. We found him late. He's an all-pro returner. Um, so, you know, we could find great pieces in the draft, and I just think that that's what we're going to do. We're going to rely on our drafting to, to make these pieces, and I think we, we just will see a lot of contract reconstruction. You know, I think that's what's left to be done. Uh, I think uh, it'll be interesting to see what we do with MT, it, um, it, whether he's willing to, to, to do that. Hopefully he is, but he's going to be one of those guys that we're going to have to – That's going to be a tough one. Yeah, we're going to have to figure it out, and I, I mean – I don't know. I don't know how that's going to go because I, I thought I knew MT up until this season, but we'll see. Yeah, that's that's going to be a tough one. Um, like you said, ultimately, I think for these teams, obviously, like you said, deals being restructured, there are cuts to be made. But to me as well, like you were mentioning, if you're a team that can draft well, you're just going to have to draft well to try to fill some of these holes. Uh, when you're a team like the Saints going forward, obviously there aren't going to be too many big splashes that are going to be made in free agency. It's not going to be too many eye-popping deals, you know, unless guys are willing to come, you know, for a discount or something like that, you aren't going to really see that too much. So it's going to rely on, you know, how well can your organization, you know, whether you're the Rams, whether you're the Saints, uh, whether you're, you know, the Bears, how well can you draft to fill some of the holes that are going to be made through these cuts, through these reconstructions, through these deals that you may have to make. Um, so I think that that's going to be key, but anytime you have, you know, a, a really good GM and, um, you know, he, he's supposed to be a step ahead of all of this. So he, he's evaluating all yeah. of these situations and all of that. So it's just going to be interesting to see how it shakes out and, and to see the amount of movement due to the way that the cap dipped in this year. Yeah, for sure. And you was correct, Ramon. It did change once we released Janoris. It- it, we're just over 25 million over. So right now you got the Eagles, they're, they're 40 million over. What do you think are some moves that they would have to make to get that down? Uh, I think the first move that they made was letting Carson walk. Uh, there was a, a, I mean, we're trading away Carson. I think that that was huge. Uh, just in the fact that that's what, that's what, that was a huge contract. 
But I mean, you, you look at their roster and, and the scope of their roster, they have a lot of lot of moves to still make. I think they have to do something with Zach Ertz. Yeah. You know, um, I thought that they were trying to trade him as well. Um, uh, they was able to let go of um, their wide receiver guy. He he was he hadn't been since he got there. He, he hadn't been doing too much. Um, he used to play for the Bears. Uh, Who's that guy's name? You don't know his name either. <laughs> Yeah, no, it's it's, uh, it's on the you tip of my tongue. It's, it's not Alshon, are you talking? You yeah, is it? You talking about Alshon? Yeah, Jeffrey? it's Alshon. Yeah. Okay. yeah, yeah, yeah. So I mean, they they got a couple moves to make, but I mean, I mean, they, hey man, you know what do they have to do, man? They forty million dollars up. Yeah, uh, like you said, I mean, <laughs> I mean, it's going to be a lot of tough things that they have to uh, to do. Like you said, the first decision is the Zach Ertz move. Um, I believe that you'll see him um moved pretty quickly and i believe that there is a market out there for him now this last season the version that we saw of zach Ertz was not the version that we were really accustomed to um he kind of tailed off and, and dipped a little bit i know that um one thing that has been mentioned and this can seem like a little bit of a homer or a bias type thing but um indy has been thrown around a little bit for zach Ertz. Uh, just because you still have the Carson Wentz connection there. Uh, we do have some cap flexibility. Um, we've been somewhat solid already at the tight end position, so I don't know if we're in dire need to make that move. But um, I definitely think that you could see a move that um, that happens right there. As it relates to the rest of their roster, honestly, I haven't done the ins and outs of the research of, of Philly's roster at this point. Um, I'm not too in tune with, with them or pay attention to them too closely. So <laughs> yeah. uh, really, Zach Ertz is the one that's really been ringing the bell, I well, would say. Well, they, they said that they uh, we're recording this. So y'all know news is constantly releasing yeah. as we're recording this. I mean, when y'all hear this tomorrow, I'll be like, what these guys talking about? But that's just because this is really, really changing hour by the hour. Now, they did restructure Hargrove, uh, one of their um, uh, defensive players, and they – they was able to make that was able to like make them 17 million over the cap. So goodness gracious, that's all he had to do. <laughs> all right. <laughs> was all restructure right. one player and now they only 17 million over the cap. So as we talk about this, they're like they're they split in half what we're talking about. So I don't even know if we should even go into detail because it's yeah, gonna constantly it's, change. It's gonna change so yeah, so, so much. Yeah, so those are those are some interesting teams. Uh, that I'm just going through the teams that are in the top five that at the moment, I mean, it may change. There was a, there was a top five at the moment of recording this. Um, so we just, we're just going to go through those real quick. And the first one I'm going to bring up, uh, of course, was the Rams and the Saints are uh, number, number five. Oh, the Panthers. That was another interesting one that they have. The first one that comes to mind to me, what they have to do is uh, maybe they already let Curtis Samuel go. Uh, who I would love for him to be a Saints, uh, Saint, by the way, but I think I don't think to replace Emmanuel Sanders, but I don't think he will take the discount. Um, I don't think he's going to give us a discount. But they did that. But the first that comes to mind is Christian McCaffrey. You know, he just signed that massive deal last year, and now he's gonna. You think he'll take a restructure? Uh, you know, he's been in. He's even been in trade rumors because they're trying to. They're trying to be in the. Uh, they, they're really thoroughly convinced that. Um, which we'll talk about in a minute that Deshaun Watson will be on the market. So yeah, 
Um, and I think that that one is interesting too, just from um, what Mike Williams was able to do in the time. Uh, I think I'm saying that name right. In the time that Christian McCaffrey was down, um, you saw someone be able to come right in. Mike Davis. Mike Davis, yeah, <laughs> Mike Davis guy. I'm messing up, messing up the name. <laughs> yeah, uh, like but you him. saw, right, right. But you saw him be able to step in and fill that void. Now, I, I, this restructuring stuff is so difficult, man. Because honestly, like I'm trying to put myself in those shoes. If I'm right. sitting there as Christian McCaffrey, I didn't got my money. <laughs> I earned that money. I'm not a. I don't think I'll be in the mood to be like. Yeah, let, let's just restructure this. Let's just alter this. It so depends on how it's restructured, out. though, because uh, I know that a, co- a thing we like to do, and that's what we did with Janoris Jenkins, which saved us more money, is that we made a portion of his salary uh, a, a signing bonus. Mm-hmm. I think we made his guaranteed money a signing bonus, and that allowed us to split it up into two years. So if it's something like that, you should be willing yeah. to do that as long as you get the money, right? Yeah, no, that's true. That's true. Um, yeah. No, that that that's true. So I could definitely potentially see that happening. But um, but said it. it what do you think about Teddy though? Speaking of the Panthers, they're ready to move on. It seems like apparently they're ready to move on off of him after one season. You think they've seen enough after him being a starting quarterback for one year? That's crazy to me. Yeah, um, I do believe that this year his performance was a little underwhelming. It was, you know, kind of below what I honestly expected because, you know, we were talking before, of course, him leaving the Saints that, hey, Saints need to, you know, invest in Teddy. Teddy needs to be the future of the Saints. You know, we really had high expectations for Teddy. Then we were like, oh, he gets paired up with Joe Brady. Oh, this is going to click. He got CMC in the backfield. You know, they're getting some weapons to surround him. Um, and it just didn't take off, I think, how they expected it to take off. And, you know, the way this league is, is what have you done for me lately? And it's a quick and fast pace moving league. So, you know, if you aren't coming out instantly and wowing, then, um, they aren't really taking too much time to just kind of see, you know, if, if you're going to develop and move forward. You know, Teddy is a guy that has been around in the league for a while. We do know his time in Minnesota. We know the injury that occurred. We know that he kind of worked his way back with coming into the Saints and was looking promising. And so in their eyes, like they believe that Teddy is who Teddy is. You know, I don't believe that they're sitting back and evaluating, OK, as we give him more time in this system. How is he going to grow and develop? I think that they believe that he is who he is. And so when you do have the opportunity, when you can maybe put some pieces together and go get a guy like a Deshaun Watson or something like that, you know, you have to to take a look at that. You know, I know that they've kind of talked a little bit too of what they may even do in the draft QB wise. So it seems that they really don't have the confidence in Teddy going forward. I still believe that Teddy is a serviceable starting quarterback in this league. But when you talk about a starting QB, are you just looking for serviceable or do you want a guy that you feel that, you know, can, can truly compete and have you kind of in the upper echelon of where you were looking to be. So I do believe that the situation with Teddy is questionable, but I wouldn't move off Teddy just to to move. I think he's still a solid starter, but if you have a chance to get a guy like Deshaun Watson, I believe that honestly most teams should look at the QB and be like, okay, we probably make that move to go get that guy. So in that regard, I could see it, but 
outside of that, it is kind of tough to just move so quickly. Yeah, it is. I think I think one of the things that we have to address now that we're still on the trend of offseason moves is that there are a lot of free agents that are, you know, moving around, man. I think that uh, it, there's a lot of move, a lot of good players appear to be, it's going to be on the market, man. And uh, I mean, I, I think that it, that's worth talking about. And I think it'll be fun to kind of predict where these guys are kind of end up, man. Or what would you like to see them at? just depending on the money. Um, I, th I think we should start, uh, let's start at the running back position. Uh, it's official, Aaron Jones out of Green Bay. will be having, a, we'll have a, well, potentially he may, he may resign with, uh, with the Green Bay Packers, but, but uh, right now we have, we're under the impression that the Green Bay Packers are ready to move on from him. Um, the, the running back market is, is wide open. You got Chris Carson was let go by the Seahawks. Kenyon Drake will be on the market. James Conner, Leonard Fournette, Marlon Mack, Jamal Williams, uh, Duke Johnson. I think I could stop right there. I don't. Yeah. <laughs> I think you've gotten into the territory where people are not going to care. Too right. <laughs> <laughs> so let's just keep it. There. Let's just keep it there, man. I, I mean, Aaron Jones alone, that's a huge name. Uh, what, what could you, what would you, what could you see him landing there, man? Um, That's interesting there. Right. A place where I could see him landing, um, because I believe they have a, a, a solid amount of cap space, uh, is Miami. I believe that Miami is in a place where they, I don't believe they're 100% confident and sold on Tua, but they feel that if Tua is going to be their guy, then they do have to have weapons that are surrounding him. And so, of course, we're not getting too much into NFL draft talk, but I believe that at that three spot, they're likely to take one of those wide receivers there, which means if you have your number one threat as a wide receiver, you go and then, of course, solidify your backfield. And I believe that Aaron Jones could fit there. I believe that he could get a payday going there. Um, and that helps Tua out even more to be able to lean on a solid run game and potentially go and get his number one receiving threat also in the same offseason. Yeah. Um, well, I, I like the Jets for him. And that, that's weird for me. The Jets is another team uh, that appears to have a lot of money to spend. And um, it's all but it's all but said that they may take Justin Fields with that, with that, with that first pick of the draft. And if that if that does happen, you know, again, like you say, you will need a weapon that to tag along with with a running back uh, to 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 have a weapon to tag along with that quarterback. So I like New York for him. Uh, again, he can have a payday as I just stated. And uh, also, if they ever get Justin Fields, I, I think that man Justin Fields and what he showed in college and what uh, we know Aaron Jones to be able to do, I think they'll make a a, a, a pretty good tandem in that backfield. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I agree with that. I can see that as well. So we got Chris Carson. Chris Carson, I think the thing about him is that he he's it's hard for him to stay healthy. And I think that the Seahawks had to really go ahead and let him go because of the cap. Um, he was just a casualty of the cap. But of course, he's he'll be looking for work. Uh, and I mean, I think that, you know, he I think it'll, it'll be a lot of teams that's looking for him. What, what do you what do you like? To, what do you like to see him in? Um, with Chris Carson, I'm, I'm trying to think because honestly, like with him, I feel that he has to be in a backfield where he isn't so much the feature guy at this moment, or at least a backfield where 
you know, we are seeing a lot of running back by committee, but to me, he has to definitely be um, in a committee. And so uh, when I look at him and think of potential spots out there, I could see, you know, you know, maybe the Buffalo Bills. I know that they needed to bolster that run game a little bit more over there. And I do understand that they have uh, Zach Moss and Devin Singletary, but I believe that that run game still hasn't been, you know, elite to the level that it needs to be. Um, so I could definitely see potentially, you know, him landed in Buffalo. Like I just mentioned, you know, Miami is also a spot that's potentially out there just because of the money that they have. But I think he needs those other guys in that backfield. Okay. Hey, I, I like that. What do, what do you think about uh, Cincinnati? I know we got Joe Mixon there, but I think Joe Mixon is like a, a lot like uh, a lot like you mentioned with Zach Moss and uh, Zach Moss and um, What's the name? Uh, Devin Singletary. Devin Singletary. <laughs> yeah. I think they've been underwhelming, but I think that you bring in a guy uh, like uh, like Chris Carson into that Bengals backfield. You, again, we know that they probably, with their top pick, they're probably going to – we're not talking draft, but we ultimately end up talking draft anyway. They, right. they probably take the offensive lineman out of Oregon and try to bolster up that line and protect Burrow. But I think anytime you can get a running back, and if you wanted to keep uh, Joe – and, and just have them as a tandem, I think that that's a pretty force, formidable uh, tandem if, if you, you know, what do you think about that? Yeah, no, I think that that could be a good fit because honestly, like I said, I don't think that as a team, you want to be so dependent on Chris Carson just because of the injury situations that you mentioned. And so if you can bolster that backfield, you know, like, you know, you talked about even in previous podcasts, um, the concerns that even you and Los because of the, you know, fantasy shares that y'all have had with Joe Mixon, um, <laughs> the concerns that y'all have had with him because of those kind of things. I do see that if you could have that tandem, that that would definitely uh, really help and really bolster that run game and give, like you said, Joe, somebody, um, a backfield that he can truly depend on and there not to be too much pressure on him to have all the weight on his shoulders of everything offensively there. <laughs> so oh get old Joe Burrow some help, man. Get him some right. help. But uh yeah, I think that'll be a good spot for him. All right, let's move on a little bit. Um I want to get to Leonard Fournette. I mean, I, I don't really really too much care about Kenyon Drake uh, or James Connor. I don't, you know, James, I don't really too much care about that. Let's talk about Leonard Fournette uh after the year that he had with the Buccaneers and basically playoff Lenny was in full effect. And I know that just knowing Tom and how competitive he is, he's trying to run it back. They already got Levante David back signed, which was huge. Um, I think they were still working on Shaquille Barrett, but I, but I would think that they would want to bring him back as well. They tagged Chris Godwin. Uh, I think that Leonard Fournette is somebody that they're going to need to retain. And I think Tom's going to want him there. Uh, however, I don't know with the cap and how much money Leonard, I don't know if Leonard's going to be looking for a payday if he want to run it back, but I would just assume that this was a show what I got years so I can get paid. And he ended up getting a Super Bowl ring in the process. So I think that Leonard, it was important for Leonard to show what he showed this year and, and in the playoffs. Do you think that the Bucks ultimately retain him or do you think he ended up elsewhere? Um... If I if I had to to be forced to to answer either one, which I am right now, I'm going to say that the Bucks find a way to retain him, and I think is is strictly to me the Tom Brady effect right there. I think that 
Tom, like you mentioned, is really going to want another shot at it, is really going to want as many of those pieces coming back as you already mentioned about Chris Godwin um, coming back. And so if I had to choose, I, it, it's so difficult because I, I really, really don't know, but I would say that he is um, coming back, but it's so up in the air. Yeah, it's difficult, man. It is a difficult uh, decision. Uh, just, just uh, you don't know with the cap space. They get so creative these days. But I, I agree with you. I think that he ultimately they they gonna find a way. They gonna find. It. They have to. They have to. And I know Leonard probably wants to come back. Um, so moving off running backs, uh, we got some receivers here. Uh, a lot of uh, the most one that was surprising to me was Kenny Galladay, and just how the GM, uh, not GM, uh, the our former assistant coach, Dan, I can't remember his last name for some reason right now, but he, Dan Campbell, he, he came out as saying early when he first got hired that they need some wide receiver help. And then when the, the cap hit, then it said that, okay, we're letting Kenny Galladay go. Like, what is that about? I'm surprised that Kenny Galladay is on the market. Again, he could be retained, but all, all signs point that, that, he, that, he's, that he won't be retained. So what do you think Galladay ends up? What would you like to see him at? Um, I think that um that I Kenny Galladay. <laughs> <laughs> Kenny Galladay. He has been it's been said that they're gonna let him go. But Dan Campbell, he's confusing. I mean, I, I want to talk about the hypocrisy. Now, Kenny Galladay, granted, doesn't stay healthy, but he's amazing when he is healthy. And it was at times I felt like when Kenny Galladay went down, Matthew Stafford looked lost at times last season without him. And it may have led to me just having him on my fantasy team. But I feel like if you have a wide receiver, a stud wide receiver like Galladay, how do you let him go when you saying you need wide receiver help? Um, I think one thing that he may be looking at, honestly, I think that they sit what – I know that this isn't supposed to be a draft pod, but – uh, I think that they sit, what, seventh in the draft right now. And when you look at this draft, it is a wide receiver heavy draft, um, especially when you look at those top three guys. Um, within those first seven picks, you could potentially see those three guys come off the board. Jamar, Jamar Chase, Chase Devontae, Devontae Smith. Smith. And you got Jalen Waddle as well. So I believe that they would be in a position to grab one of those guys. I believe that – I honestly believe Jamar Chase will be gone – I believe that Devontae Smith will be gone at six. And I believe that Jalen Waddle will be sitting there right there at number seven for them. So I believe that they could be getting the help there that way. And maybe that's what he's looking at. There also, too, are some, you know, high profile names from in this wide receiver class. You know, you look at the Allen Robinson and, and seeing, you know, what movement's going to look like there. You look at T.Y. Hilton being the Bears out there. tagged Allen Robinson, though. Oh, they did. They did. My bad. Mm -hmm. My bad. Um, you look at T.Y. Hilton that's still, you know, sitting out there as a potential name that could move. You did not. That. You did not do that. You didn't want him yourself. So how are you going to say that he's a good option? <laughs> I ain't hey, you I'm, do it. I'm, I'm, I'm not done. Today. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not I'm not done with T.Y., man. T.Y., I, I still do like T.Y., but I'm not, you know, sitting there that, hey, we got to bring T.Y. back. But I wouldn't mind if T.Y. came back to my Colts, man. T.Y. T.Y. is one of those guys that's always been a leader, always been able to, um, you know, have the troops kind of rally around him. But I do believe that his skills are eroding a little bit at this point. So it's not make or break for me if he comes back. But like make, I was saying, y'all got you know, Michael Pittman. Y'all ain't worried about T.Y. <laughs> 
Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. so I mean, I believe that there is some help out there from a free agency standpoint, but I believe that the first thing probably thought process is, hey, we can grab one of those guys in the draft. You okay. Know? All right. So uh, let's go into uh, another wide receiver that I uh, was. So we got Will Fuller, another one that's, that uh, Houston not bringing back. Um, again, I mean, I'm always revert back to my Saints and say we could use them. But fair enough, I mean, I think that he he could probably end up somewhere like uh, a New York again, um, just because they they need some weapons. Um, they got a Jamison Crowder, who probably their best receiver, who happens to play in the slot, though. But they need someone on that can be on the outside, and I think Will Fuller can can of course do that and and, and really stretch out defenses. So I think that's a good landing spot for him, just right off my head. Yeah. Yeah, no, I, I agree with you. I think that that could be a good landing spot for him. Um, I mean, I, I have to go back and once again look at the total cap implications for them, but I do believe that Lamar could use another weapon out there. Um, oh, yeah, of know, course. Having a, having a burner out there. Uh, so I believe that the Baltimore Ravens could be a spot or a landing spot that would be a pretty good fit for him um, as well. So. That's kind of what comes to that's a good one. Yeah, Lamar. I think I've said it on previous podcasts that he he need they need to get him a receiver. You know, they need to get him you know a big uh, uh, outside receiver. Like I know we got Marquise, but we need a a, you know I think he would he could benefit from having a a big receiver there. Uh, And then Juju Smith Schuster, that was a big one. I, I didn't expect him to come back to Pittsburgh. Just just how much kind of trouble he brought up on them upon the Steelers dancing on all the the kind of you know ruffling some feathers that dancing on all the uh, opponents midfield until he got blown up one game then he apologized mm-hmm. um juju man I again I keep going to the Jets I, I know I'm cheating <laughs> but I know that I'm cheating all right I'm not gonna do the Jets but I think he'll be a good fit there yeah I think um, he'll be a good fit there but if they didn't get Will Fuller yeah, I don't know why, but I, I just feel like he'll be back in Pittsburgh, man. I don't think that they'll, they'll figure it out. <laughs> I think that they'll figure it out. I don't think that that situation or that experiment um, is done. But, I mean, we could see a lot of movement from a wide receiver right. perspective. Like, when you look at this class, like, to me, honestly, free agency, and this is me taking just the, the little short route with it, I think that this wide receiver class – could be the deepest position free agency wise. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, when you met, think of the guys you've already mentioned, so you mentioned Juju, you mentioned uh, Kenny Galladay, you still think about the fact that you mentioned Will Fuller, you got Corey Davis that's out there, you talked about Curtis Samuel, you got Antonio Brown that's still a wild card. Sammy Watkins, Sammy AJ Watkins. Green. Yes, and we talked about T.Y. Hilton being out there. Uh, You got Marvin Jones Jr. That's also, you know, a possibility out there. So there could be a lot of movement, honestly, from the wide receiver position. And you can see basically receivers just pretty much trading spots, honestly. I know, man. I know. I mean, I'll go ahead and and, and not, you know, because I pick the Jets every time. (laughs) I think a good good landing spot, though, seriously, I'll say this, and, you know, Baltimore – it's good, but I think that if he went to a team like maybe the Patriots, you know, I don't know if he has the discipline. I don't know how the personalities would blend there, but maybe if he went somewhere like that, New England, and, you know, because they are, they do need a receiver. 
Yeah. I, I don't think that um when they when they drafted uh the guy to Arizona State, I can't think of his name. Uh oh gosh. Uh okay. Nikhil Harry. Nikhil Harry. He turned, yeah, yeah. I mean, Nikhil was okay last year, but I think that they at this point, it's going into his third season. I feel like they they thought he would take another step. Um yeah. But I mean, if they had Juju out there, man, even you know that that'll be nice. They could be able to pay him because they have a lot of cap space, and you know I think he'll be a good fit there. You know they they could use him. You know so um, yeah. Moving on, I mean, let's see some other notable free agents here. We did the wide receivers, quarterback, man. That that I'm looking at the field, man. It ain't, it's only three names that intrigue me here, and that's Cam Newton. Mitchell Trubisky and Jameis Winston. Now, Ryan Fitzpatrick is honorary because I feel like there is a market for a guy like him, for a team that maybe have a young quarterback that they're trying to bring along and they're they looking for a break veteran leader and they're ready to win now type deal. But I think it remains to, to see what Jameis ends up. And I know that Jameis is waiting to see what, uh, what uh, <laughs> Drew's going to do. And that, that hasn't been announced yet. I think Drew knows he's going to retire. They're just not announcing it yet for some odd reason. But, you know, that, what do you, the, the quarterback position is thin, man. I, I mean, I guess I'll go to Cam because that's the most, that's the most interesting one there. What do you think, what do you see him ending up? And what do you think is fair? I, I mean, if you want me to go first, I can. Because yeah. off the top of my head, Washington, yeah, first. Washington football team. Okay, I can I see think that would be good. It. Yeah. Because I think that he would be, be re- reunited with his old coach, you yeah. know, re- reunited with Ron Rivera and, and that assistant staff. I think he bring him in that QB room where he'll be comfortable. They won't be asking anything of him that he that they don't know that he that they know he can't do. I think that he would love that familiarity. I don't think that you'd have to rely on Cam that much because that defense is really, really strong there. I, I, I like that, man. I, I like, I like, I really do. I really like Cam there. And they do have Terry McLaurin over there. They have a serious weapon there. Um, and um, I think they found their running pack because I do believe in Antonio Gibson. So I think that it, it, Cam can go somewhere where he doesn't have to be Superman per se, but I think that he can operate and, you know, I think he'll be in a comfortable system. So I think that'll be a good fit for him. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I have really a second question to that before I get to maybe a landing spot for Cam. You buying some time? <laughs> yeah. No, nah, no. Nah, well, okay. No. Nah, I'm I'll, joking. I'll go, I'm joking. Yeah. Man. I could go to my potential landing spot. What's your but, question, man? Uh, my question is, is Cam Newton definitely still a starter in this league? I, I think so. I think so. I, I mean, I. I don't think I think he's serviceable. I don't think he's the cam that we we're used to seeing. But I, I mean to say that there's 29 players better than him or 30 quarterbacks better than him in this league is blasphemous to me. So okay, I do think he's, I, I do think he's serviceable. I think he's serviceable. I think he got a little. I think he got a little bit more. I think he just has to be in a right system. I think he has to be in a play action system. You know, I don't think he was a, the right fit in in. In New England. Now you saw the first two games, the first two, three games, man, he was killing it, you know. <laughs> but then COVID hit. And you know, once he got COVID and, and it knocked him off his rhythm, I think he missed ended up missing like three or four games. That was all she wrote after that when he got back. Yeah. Um, I, I would say uh if I'm you know saying a potential landing spot, 
Uh, I, I really think you actually nailed it, honestly, with the Washington football team. But if I'm to throw another name out there, another team, I believe that the Denver Broncos aren't really uh, sold on their QB situation. I don't believe that, uh, honestly, they're attached to Drew Locke at this point. Um, so I could see maybe some movement there for them. And I think that ultimately, too, it's going to come down to just as we, you know, kind of alluded to other names that are shuffling around. You know, what does the Bears situation look like with Mitch Trubisky? Does he come back or is Mitch, you know, as a free agent, does he end somewhere else? And then that, you know, create an opening for them to have a guy like Cam Newton or something to come in. So I can't really think of a spot that's better than the Washington football team. But those are two spots where, uh, to me, their QB situations are still pretty shaky. And maybe he could land there. But. I'm still not 100% sure if he's still a starter in this league, though. Oh, expand. Uh, I, I just don't – what I've seen from Cam, especially even from a health perspective, like, you know, I, I do know, like you said, that, that COVID hit, but I believe that, honestly, as the season wore on, you were going to kind of see some of the things that you saw from Cam anyway. Like, he doesn't have that consistent arm strength anymore where, you know, it's going to last over the duration of a season – you know, he isn't the same, of course, as far as, as his mobility goes. You know, a lot of his strong points as a QB of what made him special, to me, they just aren't, you know, they definitely aren't elite anymore. And they may just be more so okay or average at this point. So, um, yeah, I don't know if I definitely see him as a, as a starter at this point. Like, for instance, I mean, Jameis Winston was a backup QB this year. To me, if I just honestly evaluate and I'm looking at Jameis and I'm looking at Cam, this is me speaking. I'm taking Jameis Winston over Cam Newton. I talked to a guy today that said Jameis is done and that Drew Brees should be our starting quarterback next year. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna expose them on this podcast, but yeah. Yeah. yeah um yeah don't don't talk don't talk sports <laughs> with that guy anymore but, but i'm just saying i'm using that as an example i mean we saw Jameis be a backup qb now i don't know if cam has that in him to 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 be a backup qb i don't know how well he would take that but if i'm looking at those two guys i'm taking Jameis over cam if i'm looking at even a guy that you know was our backup um this year in indy if I'm looking Jacoby. at um, Jacoby Brissett, Jacoby Brissett, Cam Newton. Oh, know, like, man, come on, don't do this. <laughs> I mean, oh, I, I'm man. serious. I mean, I think that we have to honestly God. look at who Cam is right now. Like, Cam, he showed us he showed us that glimpse at the beginning of the year. He well, did show let's us that cut glimpse. him some slack now. I mean, let's look at the weapons that he had in, in New England. I mean, you had Nicole, Nikhil Harry, and then after that, what what did you have there? You know, Edelman was injured for the majority of the season. He didn't okay. have a, he didn't have a consistent running game, so it was a lot of conformance. I I agree. That is a more that's a that's a valid point. And the Patriots did have a ton of opt outs just period yeah, as yeah. it related so, to COVID. But I'm going off of two sheer eye tests of me watching Cam over the course of the season. Hey, I was one of those guys. I I supported Cam and still do support Cam. Like, I wanted him to prove all the doubters wrong. So when he came out those first two to three games of the season, I was one of the ones that was the leading charge. Hey, look at him. Look what he's doing. But just straight eye test of what I saw as the season went on, it was one of those things just like we talk about. 
Drew Brees can still give it to you in spurts. He still is a guy that that can come at the beginning of the season and, and he's playing really well. But as the season goes on and as you look into a playoff run, you know, over time it it erodes and he isn't the same guy as the season progresses. And I believe that's what you're seeing, honestly, from Cam Newton as well. And that's why I just have that question. And I'm still not totally sold that he is still a true starting quarterback. That's valid. That's valid. Um, you're not going to get an argument from me. Uh, so I, I think quarterbacks are quickly. Uh, but, I mean, Cam does have an option to return back to the league if they'll have him. So we'll see. Yeah. That's a team with a lot of money and a high draft money. and a high draft pick. So they always dangerous over there. So, um, I mean, let's talk about some uh, some defensive players, some edge rushers, man. David Clowney. You think I think he'll end back in Tennessee. Uh yeah, I, I don't see I don't see movement happening there. Yannick Naku. Yannick Naku. He played with the Baltimore Ravens this year, right? Uh I know. I'm not tripping. It's uh, not I ooh. I'm not 100 percent sure. Yeah, he played with Baltimore. Remember. Yeah, he played with Baltimore. <laughs> I'm not. Yeah, he played with Baltimore. And then the interesting one to me on this list to me is Bud Dupree. I think that the pay, the, the Steelers really missed Bud when he went down with that knee injury this year. Mm-hmm. They they defend the whole complex of their defense changed with him out. So that shows you how important he is to that defense. It, do you think any chance he Pittsburgh brings him back, or do you think he ends up elsewhere? Because I think that he would be a great player in Miami. Yeah, Miami um, has a lot of money. They can pay the guy, but not only that is that Miami is a decent team. They had a decent year last year, surprisingly. So if they're expecting Tua to take another step, they can add. Then on the other side of the ball, they're on lock with Xavier Howard uh, at corner and the other guy. I forgot his name. I'm bad with names right now. But either way, their secondary is on lock. Corner, their corners on lock. So imagine they added. A uh, 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 edge rusher like of the capacity of Bud the pre defense. I think that team takes another level, a step up on that defensive side of the ball. Yeah, um, I'm gonna uh, I'm gonna be selfish and be a homer here. Why not bring old Bud Dupree up to Indy, man? Why not? <laughs> why not have him in Indianapolis? Have him along that line with DeForest Buckner um, and those boys. I mean, as we've talked about that before. As we talked about before, you know, we we still have a, a ton of cap space. We still sit top five in the league as it relates to cap space. That's even after the Carson Wentz trade. Um, so there's that potential to go out there and make those moves. Now, what I will say is that we talked about it before. Um, Ballard, Chris Ballard, isn't so much of a splashy guy in free agency. He's more of a guy that does build through the draft. Um, but he did make the move, you know, make the trade for DeForest Buckner uh, last year. And I believe that, hey, if he wants to really solidify that line, you know, why not go and grab a Bud Dupree? So I'm going to go ahead and put Indy in the um, in the in the sweepstakes for Bud Dupree, man. Fair enough. Fair enough. All right. So uh, other edge rushers that may be on uh, just some big names. That's what we're going through. Just the big names. Um Man, I don't, I don't think I think that's the only one I really wanted to talk about. Yeah, I mean that's it. <laughs> we talked about Shaquille Barrett already, <laughs> so uh, I mean that, that's pretty much it. I mean we did a little touch on the free agency. 
we could talk about this stuff all day. We can trans, we can close this segment, I guess. Yeah. Uh, good luck to all teams. I know my Saints have a lot of work to do to get under the cap, and I'm still interested to see what Indy's gonna do with all that money they got. Man, I'm I'm watching y'all, man. Y'all still haven't made a move yet. That is yeah. crazy. We that can be crazy. very dangerous, man. I, I'm just yeah, interested man. to see what Ballard is gonna do and, and how he's gonna approach it because he typically is one that more so hoards money to pay his guys that are currently there so that we don't have bad cap situations as years go on. But, hey, I don't know. Let's just see if he makes the splash this offseason. We'll see. Man, that dude, duh, man. He, he like to run like a weld off machine. We're going to see if he, <laughs> we gonna see if he bring in a Super Bowl, man. But I, y'all love, man. Y'all love built the right way, bro. Y'all don't have the problems yet. That's yeah. for sure. And then it seems like all the players on our team bought in. It's like they built a certain way. It's like they're selfless. It's like they're yeah. all about the team and yeah. not themselves. Like you saw, I think I saw a quote from you from your guy, uh, your linebacker. Talking about Darius Leonard. Yeah, he say, "Look, if you want to come here, you gotta work hard. You gotta be about the team." I'm like, yeah, Man. <laughs> like yeah. he just talking to the league here, like you know, yeah, just a real leader. So I mean, I think that that's the complex of our team, man. I, I mean, I, I'm, I'm not mad at it, man. Right. I can't hate on that at all. Uh, I think that y'all's division is right. So we're going to stay in y'all's division. Speaking of y'all's division, then we'll get to the NBA. Deshaun Watson, it just seems like the head coach is just at a point to where in the, the front office is in denial, the Texans. They're in denial. Deshaun Watson said he doesn't want to be there anymore. Why are you? Why are they holding it? I mean, I understand. It's a hypothetical question that they highlight that man. Has to, they know how special he is. But I think it's kind of wrong uh, to hold him back this way. If he says he doesn't want to be there, he has that right. And if his heart is not in it, I mean, all you're going to have is an underperforming quarterback. Yeah. Yeah. Um, like you said, I think that really – I think that they still, like you said, they're in denial and they're trying to play hardball in a sense and fit, hoping that some type of way the tables will turn. But it's just like there's nothing that's showing that Deshaun Watson is going to feel any differently. And the fact that, too, that one of the guys, too, that he was close to as well leaves this offseason in J.J. Watt. <laughs> like, J.J. Watt departed from there, and that probably was their last little saving yeah. grace to probably have something to hold on to there. So, the man, thing you about... Just, you trade, I think about what they've done to this man. D-Hop, he was close to D-Hop. They trade him away. His yeah. number one weapon, they trade yeah. him away. And then they let J.J. Watt walk. That's one of his best friends. Like, what are they doing here? Like, why would you expect him to want to come back and play for you guys. Yeah, I, I don't understand what, what they're thinking. You trade his number one weapon and, and give him Brandon Cooks. With right. With all due respect. <laughs> right. Same, but... right. Come on, man. I'm going to ask you this. Now, I know that there are obviously tough cap implications around this. But let me ask you, if you're Arizona and you could make it work, to go get Deshaun Watson and replace Kyler Murray, would you do it? Uh, oh, I know the cap implications. I know that you can build around yeah. a, a young QB, and that's typically your time to d- contend when you build around because you have that that lower cap hit from his contract, and you can use that for other pieces. But if you were sitting there and Houston says, okay, now we've gotten to the point, 
we do feel like, you know, okay, he's going to go. And that first call that they make is to you. You are the GM of the Arizona Cardinals. And they say, hey, we will give you Deshaun Watson, send us Kyler Murray and whatever else has to be figured out with the deal, whatever uh, other implications. That's what you do sitting there as Arizona. See, you opened up another can of worms because it's like, do I, I drafted Kyler Murray number one. Do I truly believe in Kyler Murray? And uh, I do. I do. I'm sorry. I'm a sucker for uh, Kyler Murray is going to be special. And uh-huh. Deshaun Watson is a special talent, but I don't think I, I don't think I move on that one, man. I couldn't, you know, Kyler Murray, you know, even last year, you know, he had his ups and downs, but for the first half of the season, man, it was almost trying to say he may be up in the MVP conversation. So yeah. if he can maintain that consistency and get the ball to D hop, which he did. It's, it's, it's the irony over the first half of the season, he was targeting him heavily and then he went away from him in the second half. I think they'll be fine. So I don't think the Cardinals need to make a move. I think they're pretty solid at quarterback. Yeah. I don't, think need make to make, move. I don't think they need to make the move, but hey, if a team outside of me sitting there with Patrick Mahomes or <laughs> you go even, you know, like I'm going for it, honestly. Yeah. Like to me, Deshaun Watson is that good like yeah, and i i know what i have with deshaun watson i'm pretty sure with Kyler murray i'm pretty sure but i know with deshaun watson so honestly if i'm sitting there yeah. and it's a it and you i can find a way to make it work you're pulling the trigger I'm pulling the trigger now mm-hmm. i know that you know like i said it's easier to contend with a, a rookie quarterback or a young quarterback on that deal and you can build and have other pieces and money going to all these other guys and it's easy to build and to have all that money tied up in Deshaun Watson. But if I get a chance at Deshaun Watson, man, I think I'm making that. Yeah, reuniting D-Hop and Deshaun now. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, I see that. I, I just think the Cardinals are a lot like the – they're a lot like the <laughs> Texans, man. Like, honestly, like, I feel like if, he, if that trade did happen, it would basically be Deshaun back in Houston <laughs> just wearing red. I mean <laughs> – yeah. You know, they are really the same team, you know, uh, just just basically, you know, they're the same team. Um, but that's, a, that's an interesting conversation, though. Interesting conversation. Mm-hmm. So, so in the NBA, we got the big news. I guess the bigger news is um, CP3 and James Harden still hates each other. <laughs> 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 hey, I know I don't I don't want to talk about All-Star All-Star weekend because it's so long and no one cares about it anymore. But we yeah. gotta talk about it. Did you see that? Did you watch the game? I watched the game. Man, did you see? I know you saw that play where James Harden was on a break and you you know everybody running like 30%. Yeah. Chris Paul come from the backcourt going 100% <laughs> and get the steal. steal yeah, and yeah. He, I did. You saw James Harden. <laughs> he, he shoved Chris Paul. Yeah, yeah, that. I did see that. I did see that. Yeah, I did. <laughs> Those see guys that. don't like each other, bro. Yeah, <laughs> it's something still there, right? Nah, definitely too. And like, I mean, you know, Chris Paul too is one of to me. He is a guy that still has that old school mentality. Like we talked about that kind of going away in the league, but I believe CP3 still has that old school mentality. And he yeah, don't let yeah. stuff go like yeah. that. Like <laughs> James apparently don't yeah. either. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, man, I, I think uh, we're, we're entering into the second half of the season. And of course, uh, Blake Griffin has found his way to Brooklyn. 
Um, I we kind of talked about this on Twitter a little bit, Ramon. I mean, I, I'm not sold on the guy, and I don't think it moves the needle here. I, I mean, unless you say majestically that a change of scenery will make him get a tad a bit of his athleticism back, and that his knees won't crack and he'll be able to move a little better. I don't see it, man. I'm, I'm from Missouri. You got to show me it. Yeah, um, I do see it from the standpoint of I'm not going to say that I'm just caught up in the name value of what Blake Griffin represents. And I think that some people get caught up with that and don't think about what he's been lately. But I do believe that a change of scenery is going to bring, you know, a little bit more motivation, a little bit more effort. You're going to see a little bit more energy out of him. And I believe that honestly for Brooklyn, he just, as we were talking about on Twitter, he just has to be a rotation guy. So, you know, I, I hope that people aren't out there looking and thinking, oh, we about to get 20 and 10 Blake Griffin and he about to be catching all these lobs and he about to, that's not who Blake Griffin is anymore in his career. Um, even his shooting has kind of dipped within the last year or two, but I believe that he can be a solid rotation piece for them. And I've I've, you know, been on record with saying before this deal, I felt that Brooklyn is going to the finals and that they're going to be a tough out for, um, I'm going to say the Lakers, because I believe the Lakers will make it there. Um, and I believe that this does make them a little bit better. So when you have a team that I feel is already going to the finals and that team gets a little bit better, I believe that that's tough for the league to be able to handle. I don't see if they're healthy, how any team in the East, honestly, is going to derail them and there'll be a tough out for anybody in the finals. So I think that it moves the needle a little bit. You don't think it moves it at all. I believe it, but I believe that it moves it a little bit. Mm. All right. Like I said, I mean, the only thing I see is if the weight that you're putting on, um, of course, the uh, change of scenery, that is a real thing. So I think if the change of scenery gives them energy, maybe, but I don't know. He just looked so bad in Detroit. It looked like he was trying in the beginning of the season. He looked just hard. Yeah, and, and, and the thing for me, too, is that think about, too, when you're surrounded around talent like that, things become easier for you. So, you know, in Detroit, I mean, uh, I don't get me wrong. I mean, Jeremy Grant is a good player, but outside of that, you know, when defenses come to scheme and all of that, I mean, that's that's tough to have anything there for you. But when teams aren't really paying attention to you, when you're on the floor with James Harden and Kyrie Irving or you have moments that maybe they do play you, you know, with that unit that has James, Kyrie and Kevin Durant there. I mean, when you're literally pretty much left alone on the floor, it's going to make things so much easier for you. So. I believe as well that that can contribute to Blake being a solid contributor um, for them. But just for people listening, don't think that he's about to be anything close to all-star Blake Griffin. Okay. And I, and I'm, I grew up a fan of Blake's game, actually, you know, in his Clipper days, I really liked his game. So it's not that it's just, like I say all the time, man, father time is undefeated, man, especially with Blake. He's had a lot of injuries throughout his career too. Mm-hmm. Yep. So um, second half and half of the season overview, um, I think the Suns are for real. Um, I think they're for real. <laughs> um, I, I believe in the Chris Paul effect. I think that Monty Williams is a good coach. I think that CP3 is really getting the best out of Devin Booker and De- DeAndre Aiden and, and continuously developing him as the big man he was drafted to be. 
I'm I'm really I'm I'm really believing in the Suns right now. They're sitting, I think they're sitting with number two in the West right now. Now I don't think they'll finish number two, but I think that they'll finish top top five probably. And I, I think that they will be a force in the playoffs. And I think Chris Paul is the best, probably one of the best leaders we've ever seen in the league. And it's, yeah. he's proven in, in Oklahoma City. That's when you really see it. And now you're seeing it again with Phoenix. Yeah, I think that that before giving my outtake on the I think that we do have to take this moment to give Chris Paul credit, um, really, of what the Chris Paul effect does to franchises. You think about what he did when he was a Hornet, uh, how that team, of course, was a lottery team, of course, to get him, you know, a top three pick. And um, you see what he transformed them into to being a perennial contender in the Western Conference. Then you see his time where he goes out to the Clippers, makes them basically a perennial contender. And then he has his time in Houston where they become the one seed when he's there. He leaves Houston. He goes to OKC, a team that everybody thought was a lottery team, and he leads them to the playoffs. And now you see what he's doing in Phoenix. So I believe at first we have to give credit to Chris Paul. And I'm still not over the fact that he wasn't able to become a Laker, because if he had this impact everywhere else, he would have won a championship as a Laker or two. But that's a whole nother topic. Uh, but we'll never <laughs> Right. But to get into uh, Phoenix in the, in, in the scope of the league, I believe that I do put uh, Phoenix on to me that second tier that I put Utah on. I believe that they are both good teams. And I believe that Phoenix, you know, has a chance, obviously, to win a round in the playoffs. But I think that their time in the playoffs will end in the second round. Um, I don't see them getting to the Western Conference Finals or anything like that. So I do believe that they are in the upper echelon of the West. I believe that they'll finish as a top four seed. Um, but I believe that ultimately, once they get to the second round, you know, unless there is a situation where seeding works out and, you know, Utah is the one seed, they're the four seed. I could see them beating Utah and maybe advancing to the Western Conference Finals that way. But I don't view them as a viable option to win a championship or to get out of the Western Conference. Yeah, I could see that. Yeah, I agree with that. Uh, but they will be fun to watch. And, uh, they're, they're, I think that they should get a highlight for the second half of the season. Um, so uh, we can we kind of go on, go move on uh, as far as the NBA. Uh, what is something in the, in the second half of the season that you're looking for per se? Um, uh, maybe a team to get that's going to get healthier and contend. Uh, you know, what, what what team you think will surprise some people in this second half? Uh, which team you, you think will surprise you in the opposite in a negative way? Maybe maybe there's a team that you feel is overperforming now. Uh well, one team that I'm still looking for things to fully click for um is they've been solid, but to me, the Milwaukee Bucks, things haven't clicked like I thought they would click with Drew Holiday being over there. Um, I do know that there have been some injury issues that have kind of somewhat derailed the situation there and there's been a little inconsistency of lineups and everything there but I did think that Drew Holiday was going to be someone um, that could do a, a better job of potentially getting the Bucks over the hump but now when I look at that Eastern Conference I view them a little bit even further back in the East you know I think that at best they are third or fourth as far as teams that I think contend in the East um, I think easily I put 
um, Brooklyn and Philly over them easily to me yeah. as teams that I believe have a better chance of coming out of the East. And so I'm Who's just looking at uh, the third team that's, I honestly believe, I do believe when Boston gets healthy from the standpoint of Marcus Smart coming back, I believe you that think Boston. That, that, you think that that's the band that they're missing? I, I I thought that at first though, but they got some they got some bigger problems than just Marcus Smart to me. I I I believe that there are some some other issues, but I think that we can't overlook the impact that Marcus Smart has on that team. Also, even from just strictly a leadership standpoint, Marcus Smart very well could be viewed as the leader of that team. But then once he comes back into the lineup, it just allows everyone to be um, back into their respective roles that they need to be. So I think that his like absence from the team can't be overlooked. And I believe that recently they've been playing better basketball. But I mean, you got them in the mix. You got Miami that's, of course, looked a lot better once as Jimmy has gotten healthy. Um, so it, it just makes things kind of clouded, as I was mentioning, for the Bucks, And I believe that once again, uh, we're going to see, you know, what may be viewed as a disappointment for that team. But I don't I obviously don't think that they'll come out of the East. And I believe that, honestly, they'll probably be gone in the second round um, again as things kind of you know yeah. show themselves so my thing with boston i think they rely on um uh, i think they rely on uh tatum and, and brown too much if that makes sense so i think that they they may have thought kimba being that third guy was going to be what they needed as far as a third guy because he's not as high maintenance as Kyrie is but I, I don't think that that has worked out too well for them so far now i know kimba's been suffering through a lot of injuries uh, and hadn't been quite himself lately, uh, just as far as uh, health-wise. But I, I, I do think that it. I think Boston. I think Marcus Smart will help. Don't get me wrong. But I think that I think that problems run a little deeper. And you know me. They in preseason trajectory. I had them trajectory. I had them number one. So, but I mean, just what I've seen is just. But they did go through COVID. You know, Tatum did had miss a couple games because of COVID. But. We'll see. I agree with you on the Bucks, though. They have been underwhelming. Uh, it's, it's just the same thing, man. It's just give Giannis the, the ball and, and let him go make a play. But we all know that that's not championship basketball. Um, so uh, I, I don't think. Um, one team I do want to highlight is the Utah Jazz. I think that this is the I think this is the nitty gritty. That's that's what I'll be watching closely. Uh, right now, they sit atop, of, atop the West. Uh, we talked touched on a little bit last week uh, about just discussing how they are fools gold. Um, however, I do think that the second half, that's when the NBA player, NBA, the, the best of the best start to turn it up. Defense start getting a little better. So we'll be able to see in the next couple of weeks as if, as if the Jazz is for real. And I think that they'll slip a couple of spots. You, know, you think they'll that. slip a couple of spots? Yeah, I think they'll slip a couple of spots. I think as we get, I think that AD maybe a week or so from getting back. So I think that we will start gaining back traction. Um, I, I, and, and then I think the Clippers are going to take another step too. So once those two teams turn up, I, I think that they'll pass the, the Jazz. I, I still think that the way that the Jazz are playing, I think that it will sustain for the regular season. I think that they'll flame out in the playoffs, but I think for the regular season, I think that this will sustain, especially too, I think that they'll be even motivated after the little, you know, kind of knock that they even got. I know that they did end up ultimately with three all-stars, but the way that that all-star draft went, 
and kind of Donovan Mitchell's feelings, you know, about what LeBron said. Uh, I think that that team is motivated. I think that they want to prove something. And I think that this regular season means a lot to them. I think that honestly, the regular season probably means more to them than it means to the Lakers than it means to the Clippers. Um, and I ultimately think that they will keep their spot um, at, at the top of the Western Conference throughout the second half of the year. I think that they'll be the one seed. That's some good reasoning. I, I, that is a good solid point about caring about the regular season as opposed to the playoffs, uh, realizing it's a marathon, not a race. So if that alone, I, I'll give you that. I'll give you that. That's, that's and they need point. it. They they yeah, need that one yeah. seed. Yeah, that, that, that's a solid point. I, I just don't believe in them. I, you know, because, I mean, I think with us alone, it's just so apparent to me that AD, the way our team is built, it's like if anybody out of that core is missing, it's not going to work. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. you know, so I think that the way that the Lakers are built with AD, I think with him coming back, I think we will get back rolling and start winning games. Um, but, you know, I, I don't know. The yeah. Jazz and is I think a it's just, team. Yeah. I think it just remains to be seen too how long AD is gonna still in fact be out. Like I know that he'll yeah, be been out a month. Yeah, I know that he'll be reevaluated, you know, soon, but that still doesn't mean that he's definitely coming back as soon as he's reevaluated. And honestly, with an injury like that, take don't as much time yeah, as you need. I mean we almost he, rushed him back the first time. That's why he's yeah. in the position he in now. Yeah. And and what happened with AD, like that looked pretty much exactly like what went on with Kevin Durant. Like Kevin Durant had that calf strain, came back too soon, and then boom, Achilles. And you don't want to see that happen at all with AD. So nah. take as much time take as he that. as he needs. Yeah. Um, now a team to me that, that's been disappointing, and I know even from a listener perspective, they may, you know, latch a hold to this as kind of homers, but um, the Pelicans have been extremely disappointing to me. And and my question to you is like, what do you see as really kind of, first of all, what they'll do over the second half of the season, but is this core that they have, is this going to turn into a core that actually wins or are they going to have to break up this core um, to ultimately be in any type of contention playoff wise or anything? I think one of the issues is I, the, the dynamic between B.I., and Zion Wilson. I think Zion Wilson, the level that he's playing on, it's his team. But I think B.I. still thinks it's his team. And I think that you got a coach in Stan Van Gundy that waters that and feeds into that. That B.I., yeah, this is your team, even though it isn't, you know. And I think that that is the problem. I don't think – I feel like if, if B.I. could really take a step or take a seat back – that's not saying he has to take less shots, but Zion is special. You know, Zion is just basically out there right now and mm-hmm. averaging over 20 points. Oh, he could rebound more, but, yeah. you know, it's just – he's just out there, man. He don't even know how to play the game yet, and he's able to average 20 – dominate a game. So I think that that's – I think that that's one of their issues, but – I think one of their other issues is that they need more consistent guard play. I think we got to face it. The Eric Bledsoe thing is not going to work. I don't think that he turned out to be uh, a good, a formidable replacement for a uh, holiday. So I think that that's one of the things, but I, I don't think you break it up yet, but I think the core of their issues is just, we got to, they got to really just say, Hey, look, 
they got to really designate who who's going to be the man because and, and I don't know how B.I. feels about that because you know he a hunch. Yeah, yeah. And, and it's tough and, and don't get me wrong, I'm not trying to say that the playing styles of these guys are the same, but um, to me, it all their play could work to me if they really have Lonzo playing as a true, true, pure point guard. And I say it from this perspective, I think about, you know, that Boston big three, you know, kind of, even though they weren't technically the first big three ever formed, it's kind of the first one that we really think about in modern three wise, modern NBA history, right. In modern NBA. And so like, when you think about it and you think about, okay, KG and Paul Pierce at the time, you know, Paul Pierce, that was technically his team. KG comes over. KG probably was the best player on that team, but you still had those two guys that were one and two. Paul Pierce goes on to win finals MVP, but that dynamic worked because, uh, you know, Rondo was able to be that engine, able to facilitate, move the ball around. It never got in the mind that, okay, this guy's getting this amount of shots. I'm only getting this amount of shots. Um, So I believe that the dynamic could work a little bit better too, if maybe Lonzo's playing style shifted a little bit more closer to kind of that Rondo type of playing style. But um, I don't know. They're just kind of a little bit of a shock for me because I, I felt that you they were going to take a little bit better. of a step forward. And I feel that they've still been kind of either stagnant or taking a step back. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's, that's a solid point, man. I, I, I agree with you wholeheartedly, but uh they got to figure it out, though, man. They got to figure it out. Um, they're not a young team. I mean, they're young, but they're not young, if you know what I mean. Like, they had yeah. some bets on that team and, and Brandon Ingram and, and Josh Hart and, and Lonzo. They have some good pieces there. And I, I know I named all Lakers, but, not, you know, but, you know, I think they have some good pieces there. Steven Adams, I think he's been in a kind of a slump. You know, that's another team that's been kind of COVID hit with the COVID stuff. So, you know, maybe they'll figure it out, but I think that it starts at the head, man. They got to get on the same page. They got to figure out who's who's going to tr- lead that horse. And like you said, I think Lonzo, it's time to unleash Lonzo, I think. You know, he, he's shooting it well this year. If you yeah. had, I don't know how many point of Pelican games you caught. But oh, he's yeah, been yeah. shooting it well. And But I like you say, I think that they need to let him do what he does best, and that's let the ball filter through him, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, man, I'm interested to see how this second half of the season goes, man. I, I think we wrapped. I think that's just about it, man. Did we miss yeah. anything? Uh, I think that pretty much covers it. You know, I know that Draymond had a little bit to say about LaMelo, uh, yeah. about his play, and we talked about it, LaMelo last pod. But, yeah, we did. Um, we did. What you think about that, man? He's, uh, <laughs> yeah, I think it just kind of goes along into what we were all saying last pod. Right, uh, right. LaMelo. And I'm going to be comfortable saying Melo. And the reason why I'm going to be comfortable saying Melo. Why? Mello, no, he can't do the, it, bro. The GOAT called him Melo, man. MJ called him Melo. Of course, though, you know, <laughs> yeah. Jordan is a, is a competitor, man. He wanted to stir up some stuff and say, Melo, man. It, it, we can't do that. We can't do that to Melo, man. We almost put Melo out the league. Now we're going to take that man name. Hey, yet, there's, there's, other, there's other people who have the same name in the league, man. So I, if I, I'm going to just say from this point on out, I'm going to decide whether they love or whether I want to just go straight and say mellow. I'm just, it's just going to determine whichever way it go. I'm not going to treat it as a disrespect. Oh, come on, man. Mello. It is disrespectful, bro. Come on, man. Why do you <laughs> do that to mellow, bro? That's so messed up for him, bro. Like, 
People are just standing disrespect this man. He's a, a top 15 scorer in the Oh, yeah. I mean, first ballot Hall of Famer, but, you know, <laughs> but still. Is hey, the, one, is Dwight Howard a Hall of Famer? Oh, yeah. Dwight Howard is first ballot. Okay. First ballot. Three-time defensive player of the year. Multiple-time yeah. All-Star. Almost probably about 10 All-Star NBA champion. In, <laughs> right? <laughs> NBA champion. And the thing we got to realize, too, it's the Basketball Hall of Fame. So it takes everything into account. So right. even his gold medals that he has as well, like, it takes that right. into That's account. That's what people don't understand. It's, just a, it's, bas- it's not the NBA Hall exactly. of Fame. It's yeah. like, you yeah. know, the kid came out of high school dominating the league. I mean, how Dwight Howard was was the center of all centers, you know, at the time, you know. So yeah, yeah I mean, yeah, I mean, I, mean, I think that's why Melo, like people, like not to say you, because you're well, uh, of course, you you're you're a savvy sports fan, you know your stuff. So you know, when you even say that, I'm just joking with you. But you know, just the amount of disrespect people tend to do yeah. when they're saying, you know. You know, you little eighteen year olds who don't sixteen year olds don't know don't know the impact that Melo had on the game. Yeah, uh, say, oh no, it, it shouldn't even be consideration. It's not yeah. disrespect at all. We, <laughs> who is Carmelo Anthony? What has he done, man? Yeah. Carmelo's a dog, man. Yeah, a dog. It's Syracuse and all, man. Did he win a championship with Syracuse? Yeah, he won. Uh, he. He pretty much is almost the best you can be as a one and done because he came Ooh. there, he was the best player, and won a championship. I resent that. I, I think Kevin Durant maybe. No, I, I'm just saying as far as like as far as what he totally accomplished. Right. Like I do right. agree with you. I think Kevin Durant was better as a freshman, the but like Melo actually like Ooh. got it done. Like yeah. Melo actually won the whole saying. thing. Yeah, I got you. Yeah, so. Yeah, man, we're going to go ahead and get on out of here. Thanks for listening to us. As always, make sure that you subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, wherever you like to listen to your podcast. Make sure that you're sharing this with a friend. And we're going to go ahead and head on out of here. As always, we'll see y'all next week.